boy, and maybe this is the news that you need to hear that others are being saved. And so you need to be saved yourself. So kindly remember these meetings as they would go until, God willing, till Friday at the hour of half past seven. And we trust that uh, God will give us help. Remember those meetings and try to be here as often as you can so that you might be blessed with salvation. John chapter three, please, tonight. John chapter three. John chapter three, and these verses have been read so often, but I want you to notice the word perish because I'm gonna read to you all the times that the word perish occurs in the gospel of John. John chapter three and 15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John chapter 10, please. John chapter 10. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Never perish. Chapter 11, please. Verse 49, and one of them named Caiaphas being the high priest that same year said unto them, ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient or necessary for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation and not for that nation only, but that also we should gather together in one, the children of God that were scattered abroad. Now, if you don't mind, those are the only four times parish occurs, but I'm going to go to chapter 18. I'm going to go to chapter 18 now. And verse 14, because there's a description here of just what we've read in chapter 11. John 18 and 14. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Now just, I want to emphasize something here. That word die could just as easily have been translated perish. So let's read that again. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should perish for the people. Now may God bless to us the reading of his precious word. I don't know what it's like when you go to a new country, but if you do go to a new country, you try to find out some words. Or if you meet someone that comes from another country, you would often say to them, how do you say such and such in that language? So quite often I would go wherever I'm traveling, I would try to find out how do I say thank you? So whether you're in France and it's merci beaucoup, or you're in a Spanish speaking country and it's muchas gracias, 
or you're in Korea and it's Kamsa Hamnida, or you're in Japan and it's Arigato Gozaimashita, or you're in Chinese is the easiest. Sheishe. That's all. Just one word. And we pick up little words here and there and we try to fit them together. And so you would learn that I want to teach you, I want to teach you a word. And it's the word we would translate perish in our Old Testament. And what I find so amusing is that Hebrew word, it can almost sound like it's in English. It just goes like this. Ah, oh, bad. Ah, oh, bad. That's all. And that's translated perish. And so I want to emphasize with you that word perish. I'll come back to that, that ah, oh, bad word. Mentioned 120 times. I'm so glad that the word yasha means salvation is mentioned 205 times. Isn't that the way God always has it? That being saved just about doubles all those words about being lost. What I also found out fascinating, to me at any rate, is that when you read the gospel according to Luke, perish is the same word as lost. So you have a lost sheep. It's a perishing sheep. In fact, that parable about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, seven times over, the word perish comes into it. Luke is always talking about people that are perishing. So then I turn to the Gospel of John, and I look and see, and do you know what I love about John? John always tells us about not perishing. Never perishing. Perish not. Except there's, if I go to the original language, there's one time. There's one time when a person perishes. And that's when one man perishes for the people. So you see the little outline of my, my little words, my little words. I'm just going to try to teach you a word or two and teach you the truth behind those words. Because to perish has all sorts of meanings attached to it. and None of them are good. But what I love about the gospel according to John is that I come to John chapter 3 and verses 15 and verses 16 for those two times that perish is mentioned. Should not perish. And we have a great story of salvation. Not perish. And then you come to John chapter 10 and you find out about sheep that never perish. And then you find out that this salvation, it involves a security. It involves a certainty. It involves a safety. So you've got the salvation presented in chapter 3, and you've got the security of that salvation presented in chapter 10. And then when I come to chapter 11, that one man should die for the people, or as chapter 18 says, one man should perish for the people, is the great truth of substitution. For you see, there is one who has made this salvation possible, and there is one who has gone to the extent of substituting himself as the perishing one so that you might never perish. And that's what makes it so secure. For when the Savior buys, when the Savior purchases, when the Savior goes to the great extent of perishing so that we don't have to, he'll, 
He'll make that salvation available so secure that you can never, ever be lost. Should not perish becomes never perish. And I want every single Christian in this room to have that knowledge and have that understanding and have that deep-seated confidence that once you are saved by the blood of Christ, you will never, ever perish. Not even the devil himself is able to come and steal you away. There is no force on earth that can change a young girl, change an older man from being a Christian to being someone that's lost. There is no force in the world that can tear you away from being saved and that forever. Why is that? That's because it's not all about you hanging on to God. It's about God who says, I've got a grip on you. You'll never, ever be lost. Well, you see, the 120 times this word perish occurs in our Old Testament. I said that it doesn't give you a very good meaning. It can mean destroy. Destroy. God told the people of Israel to go into the land, and they were to destroy all the pictures and all the images of false gods. Destroy them. You say, I wouldn't like to be destroyed and have my memory blotted out. No, you would not indeed. It's a word that's translated ruined. Ruined. It's what Pharaoh said when the plagues were coming against Egypt. He says, you've ruined the nation. You say, I wouldn't like to be ruined. No. Another time it's translated consumed. There's a verse in the Bible and the people are all worried about dying. They're worried about meeting God in Numbers chapter 17. And they say these words, we die, we die, we perish. We are consumed with dying. I just wonder if there's someone here and that, that would be your fear, your fear of meeting God. In fact, the people didn't even want to go where God was. They said, we can't even go to the tabernacle, it was called. We're too afraid to meet God. I wonder if there's someone here and you're afraid to meet God. You and your sin, you would recognize I'm not ready. Oh, that there would be an urgency in every one of your hearts. I'm not ready to meet God. It's good to be ready. And I'm not ready. I I'm dying. I I'm perishing. I'm consumed with dying. Another time it's translated as just being carried off to death. That's what God told his people. He says, I'm going to send Babylon in here and they're just going to carry you off to your death. Interestingly enough, it's in the word that's sometimes translated to wander, to go astray. How bleak is the picture for a man that's perishing? Perishing. I already told you that when Luke was writing his gospel, he was constantly using the word perish as applying to human beings. Except ye repent, says Luke. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And this is something that should send an alarm bell through the soul of every sinner. Perishing. 
wandering astray, carried away to judgment, consumed with dying, destroyed, ruined. Friend, that's what it is to perish. And the good news of the gospel is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And if there's someone here, and there would be an alarm running through your mind, as you would realize that I am sinking, I'm going astray, my thoughts are consuming me, I'm going to be destroyed, I'm going to be ruined, I'm going to be pulverized under God's judgment. And let me say this. While the word perish might involve sometimes something being completely erased or something being completely destroyed, when it comes to the human soul, it never means that. To perish means to be ruined. To perish means to be taken away into judgment. To perish means maybe to disappear but not be destroyed. It means to be lost. Lost. It's one thing to be lost in time. Have you ever considered the fact you might be lost forever? Has everyone got a hold of that? It's one thing to be losing your way here and now, but to slip over the boundary line, to go into eternity, saved or lost, what will it be for you? Sobering. I'm so glad that I can tell you salvation is available, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. It's secure. Never perish. What makes it all to be so is that there was another. God had so ordained it that even a man who did not believe in the Lord Jesus still announced one day that one man should die for the people. That one man, and I've already told you that word there in John 18, one man would perish. One man would be receiving the judgment. That one man would become the substitute. That one man would come in between God and men. That one man would bear in his own body our sin. That one man should die. And that one man is the Lord Jesus. And because that one man, and I'll use the Bible language, because that one man perished on the cross, didn't mean he was eradicated, doesn't mean that he was ruined, but it does mean this, that he suffered and he was judged and God laid upon him all that was heaped up against you, all that was heaped up against me. God takes it and heaps it upon his son. And it would be one man becomes a substitute. One man dies in our place. Thank God for that one man. 
Thank God there was ever that one man or we'd been lost. We would have perished. Thank God for the Lord Jesus. I'm so glad he came. I'm so glad that God gave him. I'm so glad he died on that cross because if he hadn't, you'd perish. You would perish. And so I present to you the gospel of Luke for two dozen times saying over and over again, perish, perish. The reason why I've repeated it so often tonight is that I want you to go home thinking about that. I want it to be ringing in your ears, perish. I'm going to perish. And John 3.16 says, should not perish. What makes the difference? What makes the difference can make a difference in your life just now. It'll change your life. It'll change your eternity. You can change from, ah, bat, to that word, yasha. It'll change you from perishing to never perish. It's all because of the Lord Jesus. That's why you are called upon to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the promise is true. It's never changed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I can see things tonight you can't see. And I was just watching a person just say those words with me, should not perish. May that be your experience even tonight. Turn again, please, to the Bible to read again, please, from Romans chapter 5 tonight. Romans, please, first of all, chapter number 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Look back to the previous chapter, please, to verse number 25, the last verse in chapter 4, please. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. And then verse 1, please. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we have verse 6, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And verse 8, But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We know that the Lord will add a blessing to these further verses from the Bible. At the closing of the meeting, I want to think first of all for what we've read in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. I want to think there of God's verdict of mankind and God's reminding us in his word of sin entering into the world. So we want to think of God's verdict 
Then I want to think of what we've read at the last verse of chapter 4. Here we have God's victim. Not only I want to remind you of God's verdict regarding you and I, but then I want, you to, want to remind you of God's perfect victim, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Not only God's victim, as it were, but then God, the vic God's victor raised again. I tell you, dear people, that's what makes the gospel message so so wonderful. Not only the victim dying for us, but thank God the victim becoming the victor when he is raised again for our justification. So we're going to speak about the verdict and the victim and the victor. And then we'll have to think about the, the faith, the simple, the simple plan of God's salvation, the value of faith. We've read in verse number one there, therefore, being justified by faith. That's how a soul can come into the good of God's salvation. Oh, to appreciate it is by faith. It's not by weeping, working, paying, praying. No, faith alone in Christ, in God's victim and God's victor, the one, the substitute that we have been hearing, of, hearing about. Faith in Christ will save thee. Sinner, trust God's risen Son. Trust the work that he has done. To his arms now quickly run, for faith in Christ will save thee. I know we have mentioned these verses in earlier nights, but they've been on my mind again. Here we have just God's God's simple verdict. You don't need any O-levels or A-levels or anything. It's a simple, simple statement and a simple verdict here for us all to, to understand. Wherefore, tell us again the fundamental truth of man's, man's uh, sin entering into the world and how it affects us all. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered, it's a tremendous statement. Now, sin entered into this world. We have read there, further down the chapter, we have read there that by one man's disobedience, many are really the, the word there is all. By one man's disobedience, all are made sinners, or all are sinners. I would love, friend, tonight that the, the truth of that and the weight of that and the, the just the importance of that. I wonder, does all the boys and girls understand that and the older friends and others sitting in the car? In this modern age, could we just get down to, to this truth that how that sin entered? You all know the story so well in the garden. And man was told, eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree in the midst thou, thou shalt not eat of it. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And here we are reminded, wherefore as by one man, sin entered. I tell you so, that was a tremendously solemn day, as far as mankind was concerned. We used to sing in that old chorus, when sin first raised its deadly head, caused the widening span between the man that walked with God and God who made the man. There the garden, God coming down in the cool of the day and speaking and communing with mankind. And then, dear soul, sin to enter. And we read that God drove out the man. Dear soul, understand, and that just says something that happened 6,000 years ago through. But that just runs into every family and every home and the latest child born at 8 o'clock tonight, wherever it is, across our world. It runs into every family and every home and every child. The Word of God reminding us as, as the psalmist tells us, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin 
Did my mother conceive me? The truth of God's verdict regarding you and I. I would love tonight to have the help of God that everyone in the room and others here listening in the park would just get it plain tonight from the word of God, not something that man has conjured up. Dear children, understand the seriousness that when sin entered, it affects you and affects me. I can remember learning that as a child, that because of Adam's sin, that I was just a guilty sinner. We have that truth brought before us in chapter number three over and over again. And I would love tonight, friend, you would just let that in. That is maybe why some are attending these meetings and really not interested. I don't mean not listening carefully, but not not really getting it, not really interested in being saved. It is because they've never really understood the truth of their sin and their need. See, you would never appreciate, ever appreciate the victim or God's provision if we never appreciate our need. That's maybe what's wrong, dear I trust, friend, you'll understand your need. You've been hearing about perishing. You and I, dear soul, were born in sin, and when sin separated us from God, we see that in the garden, how that sin separated man from God. Sin and the barrier come in between. And Isaiah 59 and 2, we have quoted it so often. Your sins. I'll just stop here for a moment. I'll talk to you now. Your sins separate you from God. I tell you, friend, that's a solemn truth. That sin is serious and not only separate you from God in time, but if you die in your sins, friend, I couldn't explain it. Or no one ever stood behind this desk could explain it. A soul to be separated from God forever. From all that's good and heaven and to be separated from God forever, friend. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, death by sin, so death passed. That's why we have sickness in the world. That's why we have death in the world. All a result of sin. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered. Thank God the Savior entered into the world. We'll be telling you that in a moment. But dear soul, sin entered. And the word of God in this very book tells us, in this very book, it says the wages of sin is death. That's why, dear soul, you'll die. And so will I have the Lord be not come, one of the results of sin. But not only, dear soul, to die physically, but to die spiritually and to die the second death that the Savior, that the Scriptures talk about. If you remain in your sins and die in your sins, to experience what no one could explain, to experience the second, the, the death, the second death, the death that never dies, to be separated. Imagine, imagine, friend, imagine a boy in the room here, or a girl here, or an older friend, to leave it too late. Never let the weight of this truth into their soul that I'm born sin guilty before God and to die in their sins or just leave it too late till the Lord comes. Die your, and left behind to be separated from not only loved ones presently, but to be separated from God forever. Oh, learn, learn that the verdict, dear soul, of God's verdict and God's book about every one of us. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world.
And that's even you, friend. That's even you. God's victim. Where is one going to be found that could satisfy God's holy claims on account of your sin and mine? Where is one going to be? Where is one going to be? Who can do it? We used to sing about the victim, who shall find him? Such an one as sinners need. What you and I needed, where is one going to be found? Oh, I love this station, God himself. God himself, the one whom you and I had sinned against, the one that, that, that you and I, we deserve our, the judgment of God because of our sin, the very God who had sinned against, God himself provided the victim. Don't we have that early, early in our Bibles right through the, we can trace it right through the Bible, God providing the remedy, God providing the victim, God providing the means whereby you and I, guilty sinners, could have our sins forgiven. I tell you, dear soul, what a God we have, what a gospel we have to present. God providing the victim. No prophet, no, no. No angel, no. Must be a divine person. And the divine person was Jesus Christ, God's only son. Now what Abraham told Isaac as they climbed the mountain that day. You all know the story, the boys and girls love that story. You remember him climbing the mountain and, and Isaac asked that father, he says, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? I wonder is there anyone asking that question. Where's the lamb? Oh, yes, I understand my sin. I understand my guilt. All the fitness he requireth is to know your need of him. And maybe there's someone, oh, that I knew where I might find him. Where is the lamb? Is there anyone here tonight? And that is your, your language of your soul. Where's the lamb? Where's the remedy? God will provide the lamb. And here we have it in chapter 4 and verse number 25. He... There we present him to you. This was the one that God provided. This was the one that God sent. The only one that could meet your need in mind, friend. There's many a thing, you know, dear soul, I'd maybe, maybe like to do for you, but I would be limited, very limited, and uh, extremely limited, and I might, might be willing enough, but not able. You see, when it comes to God, friend, and see, when it comes to Christ, your need in mind was tremendous. And the only one that could meet it was Christ. And God gave him. God gave his only son. Is it any wonder we sing God gave his only son? Oh, wondrous love. A guilty sinner, I doomed and condemned to die. But God did not pass us by. Oh, wondrous love. And the one that God loved was the one that he gave. Why? He was the only one, friend. I want you to, I want to emphasize this if I can, friend. The only one that could meet your need and the only one that could satisfy God's claims on account of your dreadful sin and mine was Jesus Christ, God's only son. And thank God he was delivered. Delivered by the, before our day and before the foundation of the world, before there ever was a sin. Thank God there was a savior. Thank God there was a lamb. Now what Peter tells us in chapter 1, he says, the lamb. Tell us, Peter, foreordained, before the foundation of the world. I tell you, dear soul, this message that we have and this remedy that God has, it was no afterthought with God, no, dear soul. God in mercy planned it. And thank God the son came, the lamb came. 
And here we are, we're reminded in chapter 4 and 25, he was delivered up. I'd like to you to catch that, friend. Here's the only one that could meet your need and mine was Jesus Christ, God's only son. And he was delivered up to Calvary. He was not only delivered up, but he was lifted up on a cross. And he was delivered up for, hear dear soul, listen to it. Are you weary and sad tonight neath the burden of sin? Does it fill all your soul with dismay? We tell you God has provided the victim in Christ. And he who never sinned who couldn't sin was a victim there upon the cross, the innocent lamb, the lamb of God without blemish and spot. As we preached last evening, was it that this man, after he'd offered Christ, of course, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sin, delivered up to Calvary and there upon the cross, paid the price. What God's throne demanded on account of your sin and mine, the innocent victim, God's only son, paid it in full. Satisfied, I was glad Elton gave out that hymn tonight, Settled Forever. We stand tonight and we tell you again about the victim and God's beloved son. We tell you settled forever is sin's tremendous claim. And we stand tonight back and we say, glory be to Jesus. Blessed be his holy name. Thank God he settled the sin question. Thank God he suffered for sins. And thank God he died as we have in these verses. Verses uh, uh, 6 and 8. Christ died for the ungodly. There's the victim, friend. Christ the victim. For you and I, the guilty. Christ died for the ungodly. And again in verse number eight, Christ died for us. That all this verse tells us. No, Donald, he tells us about that perfect, perfect sacrifice and the sufferings of Christ and the death of Christ when he bore our sins and cried, it's finished, and God is satisfied. How do we know? The victim becomes the victor. Delivered for our offenses. You see, friend, get that. It was our, your, our offenses, our sins, our guilt. We have that in Isaiah 53 and 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. See, it was all ours, dear son. It was our sins. God's verdict, it was our sins and our iniquities. But here's the perfect sacrifice and the perfect victim. And he was delivered up and he paid in full. Thank God satisfied the claims of God. We could again settle forever since tremendous claim. And then he was raised again. Oh, friend, get that tonight. Re the victim, now he's the victor. Oh, yes, he died in atoning death. Thank God he did. Thank God he really died. John tells us that, that they came and then they saw that he, Jesus Christ, was dead already. And with tender hands, they took his body down, wrapped it, and laid it in the tomb. Delivered for our offenses. Raised again. I tell you, friend, that's the triumph of the gospel. That's the message we want to get over here at quarter past eight tonight. That the one that was died for us. And the one that paid the price. Thank God God raised him. We have that in Acts chapter 13. Or sorry, yes, Acts chapter 13 and verse 30. Those seven, wor seven words. But God raised him. 
from the dead. What a statement. What a victor. What a Christ. What a Savior. I tell you, friend, that's why we have every confidence when we preach the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. God raised him from the dead, delivered for our offenses, raised again for our justification. And we tell you, dear soul, he's in heaven's throne tonight. And he's ready, and he's willing, and he's able to save. The victor's able to save tonight. To someone, how could it be mine? We have the, the value of faith. Therefore, after all we've heard there, just that Christ was delivered up for our offenses, raised, raised up for our justification. Justification means uh, cleared of every charge. Not only sins forgiven, but, but cleared of every charge. On what grounds? He, the victim, delivered up and raised up. And then here's how a sinner can grasp it tonight. Therefore, being justified by faith, God doesn't ask you to pay, friend. God doesn't ask you to work. But with the empty hand of faith, I take a mother's word indeed. Christ died for sinners as I read. And in my soul or heart I find a need of him to be my Savior. And God that cannot lie promises the soul, as we'll sing maybe in a moment, that faith in Christ will save thee. Sinner, trust God's risen Son. Trust the work delivered for our offenses. Raised for our justification. Trust the work, friend. Trust the work. Trust the Christ that he has done. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now, shall we pray. Father, we thank thee for the assurance from thy word that Christ has said, I give unto them eternal life, those that have trusted Christ, and they shall never perish. We just thank thee, Father, for this assurance from thy word. And we pray, Father, for any dear soul now in their sins, we bring them again before thee, these boys and girls and older friends. We pray that while on others thou art calling, Father, we ask that thou wilt not pass them by. Give them to see, even this very night, the seriousness of their own sin, and then to appreciate the victor, the work accomplished by thy beloved Son, and through faith alone in him, they can know their sins forgiven. Part us now all with thy blessing in the Lord's precious name. Amen. I will sing.